Well, hey, grab your Bibles, turn to um, Matt, um, not Matthew, um, turn to Acts chapter 2 is where we are going to hang out for our time together this morning. Acts chapter 2. You know, I'm increasingly concerned with um, a misconceptions in the Bible, you know, I, and, and not, that, not that I know everything. Um, I would put myself in that position of having misconceptions about the Bible, and um, when we, for maybe so long in the church or so long in our lives, start to just have things as part of our belief system or part of the way that we walk with Christ, and then we are doing that kind of based on an assumption that we know what the Bible's talking about. And uh, we were talking yesterday at the board meeting that some of us we've read, myself included, we've read the book of Ephesians countless numbers of times. I don't know. I don't know how many times I've taught lessons on it, preached on it. And then my mind is being open to brand new things that have been there since Paul wrote it. (laughs) And um, even in this chapter that we're going to look at today, this is one of the most, I believe, misunderstood passages of the Bible and misapplied passages of the Bible that, that we have. And so many times we read this and then we put on our American glasses, we put on our Western thinking caps, and we forget that this the Christianity, if you believe this or not, I mean, some of you are like won't believe this when I tell you, but Christianity is an Eastern religion. It's not a Western, European, American kind of thing. It is an Eastern religion. And I know when you hear Eastern religion, you think of all religions far away from here. You think about other things. You think about other concepts, other ways of life. It's like this is an Eastern religion. Christianity is. Judaism was. And in that culture, that is, it's so collective and communal and so like bigger picture, bigger picture. And I think that when we read this text, what happens to us is that we look at Christianity and the Holy Spirit and we look at this idea as this one-to-one personal experience that we seek to have. And throughout my Christian experience, I've been in, in places and I've been, when I mean places, I don't mean rooms or buildings, I mean in places in my heart, places in my understanding of the Bible that, um, that there's these experiences that as I move through life, God wants to do in my life, and that's my Christian development, is that I'm moving through life on my trajectory, my life plan, as God is moving me along, and that he's having these events in my life, and I'm seeking these experiences in these events. You know, we think of life that way. We think of life as a series of events, right? We're born, then we go to school, then uh, perhaps we graduate high school, maybe go on to college, and we get married, we have kids. We do these things. There's these events in our life, and, and our life seems to be these collection of events and experiences and, uh, and kind of goals that we set. Um, America, we're very goal-oriented, and that's, that's, that's a good thing for so many ways, right? It's, it's, it's very amazing 
America is very goal-oriented, very achievement-oriented. We get things done. We work hard. We achieve things. We move forward. We, that, that's wonderful. That, that's like amazing. We, we don't want to get rid of that. <laughs> I'm not saying get rid of that. Keep that, <laughs> okay? But we also have to open up our mind to, to kind of other things when we look at the Scriptures. So with this in mind, this misconception that the day of Pentecost in the Bible, when the Holy Spirit came to the church, we think of this so many times as an experience that we try to make up or we try to um, somehow have God do in our life. And we say things like, um, I was filled with the Spirit a week after I got saved or when I got saved. Or we look for these experiences and we think that, well, it's this experience that we have where I got filled with the Holy Spirit and now you know, I live happily ever after. Okay, and we, we look for we get saved or converted or whatever language you want to use that, become a Christian, get born again. That's, and then we say, well, then we receive the Holy Spirit and now we live out our Christian days. Okay, well, a lot of that is the case. Okay, a lot of that is appropriate, but we can't limit it to that. And those experiences that we have of when God's Spirit fills us Began, began with this kind of event, this one-time event. This, there's a very unique thing that took place on this day that we're going to look at that didn't happen again, and it's not about the individual. Now, there are individual aspects of our salvation, right? We come to know God personally. He washes our sins. He fills us with himself. He does all that. A lot of that is very personal between you and God. But there's this whole other aspect to our Christianity. It's not an either-or thing. I'm not saying it's either individual between you and God or collective. I'm not saying, I'm saying it's both. And we in America have got to open up our minds a little bit more to the collective. We're doing pretty good, I think, with, with the individual stuff, calling people to faith in Jesus, calling people to receive the Holy Spirit, calling people to be baptized, calling people into service and using their gifts. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful stuff. We want to keep doing that. Hallelujah for that. But there's a whole other thing going on that I think sometimes we miss out on and that causes us to misunderstand and misapply scriptures such as this. And then what happens is we start feeling as Christians, as second-rate citizens, that we read passages like this and we go, well, I've never experienced that. I've never been able to do that. God's never done that in our church. God's never done that in my life. And we feel like, oh, well, you know, they, they must have been better than me and they must be, you know, more spiritual than me. And I guess I'm just kind of on the outside of looking, looking in at this experience. And we start to kind of lose focus of what exactly God did at this point in church history. And until we understand this in church history, we won't quite know how we're supposed to behave as a church or a Christian, right? Because we fail to understand the birth of the church. And that's what this passage really is. It's the birth of what we call the ecclesia, the church of God. And I want to talk to you today about this one thought, though we can talk about many things, is this, a collective provision in a world seeking personal experience. That's Acts chapter 2. Collective provision. So something that God did at a moment in time in history where he provided something to the whole 
And it's there, and it's in, in that way, and in many ways, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit into the church was a one-time historical event. And I know that that like, pushes against a lot of people's theology. They're like, time out! Time out! Are I, am I not supposed to seek the infilling of the Holy Spirit? Yes, you are. But why can you do that? Because there was a moment in time when he actually poured his spirit out, and what did he do? He poured it out into the church. And he birthed the church in that way. Whoa. Let's go ahead and read this passage so that we can get our bearings before I really start to bring this to a point where we can start applying it to what we're, the way we're thinking. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, Luke writes this. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each of one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are, all, are these, are not, excuse me, all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the residents of Mesopotamia and Judea, Judea Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, if I said that right, Pamphylia, Egypt and other parts of Libya, belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocked and said, they're filled with new wine. You're just drunk. You're just drunk. See, and we read this passage, and typically what happens is we, we gravitate to a few things and ignore a few other things. We gravitate, as we typically do with the New Testament, we gravitate to the signs and forget about the substance. We gravitate to the sign and neglect the substance in other words i know i've heard so many people preach on this and teach on this and talk about this they think a sound like a mighty rushing wind oh how amazing but that god do that here oh what would it be like if we were all sitting here in church and we heard this sound like a mighty rushing wind you might think you're in victorville (laughs) or kansas Ooh, kansas in the wind good grief You might, it's like, wow, what would happen if God did that? 
And then, oh, the tongues of fire. You mean flames actually came down and like resided over each one of their heads? Oh, that God would do that. We would really know if Jesus had shown up, if at each one of you, maybe that's why I'm bald, because when I received the Holy Spirit, fire, poof, it's gone. Some of you bald out there, you're just more spiritual. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah, all you baldies. All right? Those of you that are, have hair on your head, you just haven't received the Holy Spirit. Jesus, and we know that women, you were just born wonderful, so it, it, it's, you're good. I had to throw that in if I don't get in trouble. But we get so excited about this. And it's like, oh, that God would do that today. Oh, He is. Oh, He's doing that. This, He's doing this passage all over the place. All over the world. See, in this point, he had to do it in one little place, in one room. Oh, but right now he's doing it everywhere. People are hearing the gospel and the mighty works of God in their native language all over the world. That's the point, by the way. The point wasn't wind, <laughs> the point wasn't fire on people's heads, it wasn't the point at all. And when we think about this and we think, oh, when I receive the Holy Spirit, it's going to be like that. Oh, it's going to be this amazing, euphoric kind of experience. And the Holy Spirit's going to come in and I'm going to speak in tongues and I'm going to do all this thing. And it's going to be like this mighty rushing wind flowing through my heart. And I'm going to have this ability to proclaim. And it's just going to be wonderful. It's going to be ecstatic. It's going to be... And you run around your Christian life seeking that experience. And until you experience that, you think you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. And until you experience some sort of miraculous, stirred up, congealed kind of thing, well, I guess the Holy Spirit's not here because it's not. Yeah, and fire and wind. And... The fruit of the Holy Spirit's not a windy day. The Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is not fire on your head. That's not it. So instead of seeking an individual experience of emotional outburst and then saying, oh, I, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, that, that emotional asper, uh, um, outburst lasts until you get to the car, by the way, if you're lucky. Maybe to the back door. It lasts until the first time you hear bad news. It lasts until the first time you commit another sin. It lasts until the first time your spouse does something that hurts your feelings. You see, this was a time when Jesus had said, sit and wait, because what I've been promising you is going to be given, and you're going to be my witnesses all over the world. This was the birth of the church. People left this experience and went home. And on one single day, God planted the global church. One day. Do you see God's perspective? One day, 120 people listening to him. One day, he pours his spirit out collectively into a group of people and he plants the global church. And people left this experience and went home and told of the mighty works of God and churches were planted all over the world in one day. That's the point. And God said, I'm inviting you. I'm inviting you to be part of this. 
I did this at one worldwide church planting day, and now ever since, he's calling you out. That's why the church is called the ecclesia, the called out. I'm calling you out of darkness and into this that I've begun on this day. I'm calling you in, and I'm building the church by calling you out of darkness and into this group of people called the church that doesn't have national boundaries, that's not about the individual. It's you joining in this grand movement of renewal that is global, that is all over God's whole creation. So four things really jump out at me of substance when I start thinking about this text, and I just want to share those with you today, and then we'll stop. The first one is this, power. Power. See, this was a powerful day. And what do we learn about power in this? The power was not an experience to seek, but a mission to join. That's what you got the power to do. That's what the Holy Spirit gave, gives us the power to do. It gives us the power to step out of darkness and into the mission of God. And to start proclaiming God. And start talking about how great God is. And start talking about God's grand renewal plan that starts in your heart and overflows to those that are around you. It's an invitation. It's power to do that. It is also a power that is summarized back in the prophecies of Habakkuk. When Habakkuk said this, he said, There will come a time when the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. Habakkuk was talking about this day. And as you read the Old Testament, as you read those prophets, no, I've repeated this over and over and I'm going to keep repeating it. There was a local prophecy fulfillment. There was an unfolding and then an ultimate Always through there. And the people of Habakkuk days, they, 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 were, they were seeking the renewal of their kingdom and they were seeking renewal to get out of slavery and God was using all that to tell as I free you from that, I'm going to use you as an example of how I'm freeing the whole world. And God is inviting you into that. And God is saying to you, come be a part of this because there will come a day ultimately when the whole earth is filled with my glory and I want you to be a part of that. God is welcoming you saying, come on. I'm doing this grand renewal project and I want you to be with me. Come on. This is going to be great. This is going to be outstanding. As I do this, I really want you to be a part. And you're thinking, but I am broken. I know, I know, I know. I'm going to give you the power. Come on. Come on. You're going to be a part of this. You know, what if, what if, those of us that are baseball fans, what if the Dodgers came to town and said, we want you to play for us. Come on. And I'd be like, I'm 48 years old, broken down, can't do it. Never probably could do it in the first place. But and they're like, no, we're good. We, we got you. We, we've got this, I almost said special juice. Yeah, they, we've been there in baseball. I haven't done that. But <laughs> it's like, no, 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 no. We, we've got this like power that we can give you that even though you're old and broken down, we can get you and we can, you're going to be an all-star. You're going to be part of this deal. We want you, we're going to win this year because the Astros have got caught cheating, so we're going to win now. And so come be a part of the deal. Come be a part of the deal. What if you started realizing that all that you think negatively about yourself, God's going, I got a plan for that. 
And I want you to be a part of what I'm doing. I love you so much and I think that you're so amazing and I created you to do all sorts of wonderful things. But stop thinking about those wonderful things and wonderful gifts about you going and achieving your plans for yourself. That's not it. Turn around, come back to me, get involved in, in my project. I want you to be with me. It's the grand creator doing the grand renewal and he's reaching out to all sorts of people and he's saying, come be a part of this because I love you so much I don't want you to miss it. How's that for a summary of Christianity? How's that so much more significant than, well, God's mean, he's got these high standards, you suck, so he died for you, and then he's just gonna fix you, and you get to go to heaven. No, God's saying, look at this, look at this wonderful stuff that I created, and it's good, but it's broken, and so are you. You're good, but you're broken. So let me fix you, bring you out of darkness, put you in this big group called the church, and together we're gonna renew everything. I don't want you to miss that. I don't want you to be on the outside of that. It's called the kingdom of God. I don't want you to live in outer darkness forever. I don't want you to be separated from me. I don't want you to be away from all the love and the renewal and the beauty and the passion. I don't want you to be in outer darkness, and we call that hell. We call that Hades. We call that the city dump is what Jesus called it. Jesus said, I don't want you to be out there in the city dump. I want you to be in here with me. So come on. But I have this temptation. I, I, I know. And whew, Jesus said, I know. I lived your life for 35 years and I was tempted in every way you were. Whew, that's a hard deal. But let me tell you what. I've overcome the world. Let's go. Come with me. Let's go. Let's fix this. Let's fix this. So there's power in this all throughout the book of Acts. And I'm not going to read them. I'm just going to make notion of them that in Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 7, Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 13 are, in, are times when there was this refilling of the Holy Spirit, this reviving of us. And that what takes place, that it's this one historical moment when God poured out his spirit into the church. And now ever since then, he's been doing this thing. When you look at that word fill, that word fill in so many places is be filled continually. Like God's like pouring, I'm not stopping. I'm not pouring, you better get another cup or it's going all over the table, I'm not, I'm not stopping. And that's what God is saying, that he poured out his spirit in Acts chapter two in this place in history, 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus, and he said, I'm not stopping. I'm gonna continue to pour out my spirit and I'm joining all, asking all you to jump in and I'm gonna keep pouring and keep pouring and keep pouring until I fix everything. And he said, I want you to be a part of that. And he's asking you to come on. He's asking you to stop thinking your small, little, individualistic life of having my own life plan and my own set of goals and my own thing and stop asking God to bless you and help you achieve the American dream. He said, I'm not trying to do that. I don't care about that. And that's why so many people say Christianity didn't work for me. What do you mean it didn't work for you? Yeah, I didn't get the better job. I didn't get the hot girl. I didn't get, I didn't get, I didn't get, I didn't get. Right, because you missed the whole point. Because you thought that Christianity was about you and you by yourself. And that's never been the point. And it's not that Christianity doesn't work. It's that you didn't understand it and you didn't jump in. So power. The second word that I think about is purity. Purity. As Jesus says to us over and over again, and inviting us to come in, and His grace is being sufficient for us. 
He's saying, I'm going to do some work in you as you join that I'm creating this pure group of people. So we've got some work, and you're just like, I, but Jesus, I, I, and I, he's, I get that. Let me, let me clean you up. Should I clean up first? No, you won't be able to do that. Shall I just stay dirty in? No, that, that's not going to work either. This idea of purity. When the Holy Spirit came, we had this partner that the, God, the rest of the, the New Testament starts talking about this language of walking with. Walking with the Spirit. So you have this language of being filled, but then this language of walking with. Walking with the Spirit. I want to draw your attention to a passage in Galatians. First look at verse 16 that says this. But I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Notice how, how that is said. Walk with the Spirit and you will not. Not stop gratifying the flesh and then jump into the Spirit. That's backwards. But that's what you and I think. i got to stop doing all the bad stuff and then jump in. You're not going to do it. You're not going to stop doing all the bad stuff. You're just going to continue on and on and on and on and on. Because the idea isn't stop doing the bad stuff. The idea is start doing the good stuff. And as you start doing the good stuff, as you start walking with the Holy Spirit, the other stuff starts to fall back away. It's like eat so many vegetables that you couldn't possibly put one more bite in your mouth and therefore the donut's not fitting. I can't. It's like I can't eat. I can't possibly eat anymore. And Susan discovered this. Like I keep calling it broccoli because it's green. And she keeps telling me it's not broccoli. It's cauliflower. But it's green. I understand that. It's this green cauliflower stuff that looks like a little forest of trees all around it. I don't even know what it is. You have to ask her later. It's, just, it, it's amazing kind of cauliflower stuff. What is it? Thank you says the grocer. That's what it is. Isn't it, isn't it, have you tried it? Come on, man. You just help me out. <laughs> oh, Jesus, help us. <laughs> but that, that's the idea of walk with God, walk with the Spirit. You won't gratify your flesh. And listen to me. Your flesh isn't going anywhere to the day you, your body goes in the dirt. And I know all of us in the room, every last one of us, have all sorts of, as the Grinch would say, naughty, not niceness going on in us. Naughty, not niceness. We're tempted to do all sorts of horrible things. Aren't you glad that whatever flies through your brain isn't broadcast out for everybody to see? Oh, ooh. You wouldn't like me. Everything that flies through it broadcast. No way. None of us. Because our flesh is broken and our flesh wants to do all sorts of things. It's got cravings and appetites and all sorts of things. That, nope. Not walking according to that. I'm going to walk with the Spirit of God. And as someone once says, ain't nobody got time for that. That's a funny, funny video. That lady needs to get paid millions for just being funny like that. But she has bronchitis, so who knows? You with me on that? You know, you guys don't watch it. Get YouTube. <laughs> this is like an amazing video. I wish I could play that right now at church. It would be so funny. Oh Lord Jesus, it's a fire. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. This is a train wreck now. Anyway, so back to Galatians. Back to Galatians. Look at, uh, listen, don't, don't get tied up in the list. We always get tied up in the list, and then, we're, we, we, then we just crush ourselves with, with guilt. Okay, don't do that. Watch the progression. Watch how he writes this. Galatians 5, go to the next slide, please. It should be there. Yes, verse 17. And I'm sorry, I, I, I should have done better. It's, that looked good on my Mac. But anyway, um, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. Notice that. My desires that come naturally to me, they're pushing, they're, they're against God. They don't want God. They don't want the Holy Spirit. They don't want Jesus. They don't want purity. They want something else, okay? And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. So there's this push and pull in our life. There's this battle going on. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are no longer under law. And he's talking about the law of sin and death. Like, you, you can't help but sinning. He's not talking about law of Moses. He's talking about law of sin and death, that you can't help it. That you're, you're going to sin and you're going to die. That's it, period. He said, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries. Oh, Lord, that's the one that sticks out in my head the most today. Rivalries. Oh, oh hello. What? Okay, dissensions, divisions. Look at these. Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Things like these. So there's more. And none of them are singled out. And we're guilty of all of them. You're in there somewhere. I'm in there somewhere. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Notice fruit is singular. It's not these are the fruits of the Spirit. It is the fruit of the Spirit. It's one. It's all together. Okay? It's all one package. But the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such thing there's no law or no boundaries. There's no boundaries to that. You just love everybody at all times. You just have joy at all the time, peace all the time, patience all the time. There's no boundary. There's no, well, I can love that person, be patient with that person, but not that person. It's everybody. Verse 24, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We've said I'm not going to live according to what comes naturally to me. I'm going to follow the Holy Spirit. There's this battle going on. I'm following you, Jesus, because I'm a disaster. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? So much to preach about that, but I want you to just get this. I don't want you to, again, I'm tempted, I'm so tempted to focus on the list because there's things in there that I go, ah, man, I really struggle there. Man, that, and I'm, I'm tempted to take that which I struggle with and go, boy, that makes me so bad. Boy, that makes me so horrible. 
and then I'm focused on me being horrible and I'm not focused on God being great. So I don't want you to focus on that. I want you to focus on the availability of the Spirit is available to you. That you, each and every one of you, can be empowered by the Holy Spirit and purified by the Holy Spirit and walking with the Holy Spirit. Each and every one of you, God's inviting us in. He's already provided the Spirit for us. So there's this purity. And by the way, the flame on the head, that's symbolic of purity. So let's get on this ability, this, this idea of I, I want God to purify my life. I'm not gonna make excuses. I'm not gonna hold things back. I'm not gonna try to fix myself. I'm gonna rely on the purity of the Holy Spirit can bring in my life. I'm not looking at a fire on someone's head. Stop looking at the sign and go to the substance. The In-N-Out burger is better than the sign. Don't just stop at the sign. It's worthless, worthless. The third word is the word harvest. Harvest. See, this is where this whole thing Pentecost comes in. Because when we look at verse one and we say the day of Pentecost, oh, when the Holy Spirit came, they didn't know anything about that. Like, oh, Pentecost. This is when they celebrate the harvest. Yay, we're finally done working. Whew, that was hot out there. Whew, that was a lot of work. Day of Pentecost, we could chill. Harvest day of Pentecost. But it was the first fruits after the wheat harvest when they were given to God. Therefore, it was called the day of first fruits all throughout the Old Testament. That's why God chose this day because it was the beginning of the harvest of souls that Jesus often talked about. It's what we've been invited into, that we've been invited into this harvest of souls. That's why Jesus says, look at the fields, they're white for harvest, but the workers are few. Pray that the Lord would send workers into the harvest. Oh, and workers are few, aren't they? Oh, and there's so many souls out there ready to be invited in, but so few will join the work. So few. A fourth and final word is unity. It is a unifying vision. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13 says, For by one Spirit you are all baptized into one body. See, do you get the collective? You, 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 get, you understand that when you become a Christian, you're baptized, you're being submerged into the Spirit, one body of Christ. There's only one. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slave or free, we were all made to drink of one Spirit. One. I was so sad the other day when I, I, I read this article um, about a, top, a church issue topic thing. And, and then I was wondering, I, didn't never, I never heard of who the author was, so I went on and I looked at some some reviews of that article and some information, try to find out who this author was. And I found this one Christian writer um, complaining. He said, well, the problem with so-and-so is he's not a Christian, he's a Catholic. And I went, just that language is so ignorant. He's not a Christian, he's a Catholic. Well, what is a Catholic, anywho? Roman Catholicism is a major branch of the Christian church. What you meant to say, dingbat, was he wasn't a Protestant, he was a Roman Catholic. And so before you, before you criticize someone, have the language correct, because you don't even, why are you criticizing this guy? And so, that, that's so divisive. And I know, 
many people that are part of a Protestant church come out of the Roman Catholicism, and I know in that branch, those brothers and sisters of ours in the, Protestant, in the, in the, in the Catholic faith, I know we look across the aisle at our loved ones over there and we go, man, you, you've kind of taken some things and elevated them up here. We, we don't think you should do that. I know. And they would look back at us and man, you guys threw out 1,500 years worth of church history and just started everything all over. You threw the baby out with the bathwater. Well, yeah, okay, maybe so. And oh, when you guys meditate, and that's weird, that's Eastern. Well, Christianity was an Eastern religion, and meditation on the Scriptures is commanded by Jesus, so Protestant, get on board. Do you see what I'm saying? And then our Orthodox brothers and sisters sit over on the side going, you both are nuts. We must start thinking globally, collectively. Because guess what? I love you. I'm your pastor. I lead this church. I'm responsible for what takes place here. And we got some things going on that aren't the best. And I'm with you. And I'm leading you. And I look in the mirror and go, hmm. Maybe my Catholic brothers and sisters have got something to say to me over here. And some things that we got to work on in our church. Maybe my Orthodox friends have got something to say that we need to apply to our church. Maybe there's some things that we need to outgrow and grow up a bit. So before I start pointing fingers at other branches of our family let me look in the mirror let me read my bible and understand that collectively we've got a lot of holes in our big boat called the church and our roman catholic friends and our orthodox friends and we protestants we got to help each other out we got to help each other out to see what really is taking place in the scriptures and give us a full view of what is there we need this better sense of unity. Unity in relation to the Holy Spirit is further seen in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now I, I threw a little bit there. Look at that. It says in just verse 13, did I put more scripture up there with that crystal? I made a last minute adjustment this morning. That's okay. That, that's good. That, that's good. I, I, in my brain, I was like, do I do this and do that? I settled there, so that's where we'll leave it. That's why pastors aren't supposed to adjust their sermons on Sunday morning. But I hope that you see in this sense that a final concluding thought would be this. As we grow in our understanding of biblical Christianity, we will see how our individual lives find meaning in the collective. It's my prayer for you today. It's a prayer for us. That our church, our group, our little family that we would see ourselves as together. Judy made a beautiful comment today in the kitchen before church. She said, boy, I just feel more together with our leadership team. Well, yeah, because we spent four hours praying with one another. Isn't that beautiful and amazing? Isn't that fun? We went around, sat around the same lunch table together. We looked into the scriptures together. We prayed some more together. And I pray we, we start thinking that our church, God has called us, we're called the retreat church. Because what is a retreat but a time to slow down and to get alone, to get some space, to get some quiet, to sit with one another, to get into the word, to express ourselves in prayer to God, and take a big collective breath. Because I think our world needs a big collective breath. <laughs> 
You ever been told when you're out getting out of control, one of your friends, hey, take a deep breath for a second? You see, I'm wondering if our church should be that. I'm wondering if it should be that for you. That when we come together in our small groups and collectively in a worship service, that it would be this. Let's all just take a breath for a second. And I pray that during worship and during time of communion and that the Holy Spirit is filling you as we teach His Word. But please don't get lost. And I know that, and I hope this morning you don't leave here thinking the pastor doesn't care about the individual, he only cares about the group. No, I care about both. My mind, as I think about the church, I'm constantly thinking about the individuals and the collective. The individuals and the collective, we have to continue that. We're pretty good in America about thinking about the individual. Let's keep doing that. Let's not throw that out. But let's add the collective, should we? Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your word. And Lord, we know that in your word there was this, this historical event, this one-time, very amazing, very powerful, very purifying beginning of a harvest that was to unify all people. But Lord, we, we kind of miss that aspect of this text so often because we get overwhelmed by the signs that were present. And we um, start thinking that we need to seek some kind of some kind of experience and father you do give us experiences you you do there this was a one-time historical experience for them and father each one that is here today that is following you they had an experience of conversion in their life so you you do enjoy these these individual experiences they they are good and and father you're going to do those and keep doing those in our lives and then you invite people in, and we see over and over again in the New Testament you filling people with your Spirit. And we're told the Lord to, to act as though we're receiving that continually. And so if this is new to people, then I'm inviting them, Father, to pray a simple prayer, inviting you to fill them with yourself, because that's what you've been doing collectively all since this day in Acts chapter 2. You've been filling your Spirit. Jesus, you said that you, that your Spirit had been with them, had been upon them, but soon He would be in us. And so, Father, now we're invited into that experience. When we're invited into this collective movement that you fill the individual and bring them in, we're all baptized into one Spirit, into one body. And so if there are people here today that have been living their Christian experience thinking that it's about them and them alone and about their individual life and about you fixing and providing just for them and they've been ignoring this collective environment that they're supposed to be a part of, that they've been staying kind of outside of the body of Christ, outside of the mission of the church, and they've been missing the whole purpose of why you have an ecclesia, a called out group. I pray, Lord, that these wonderful people, that they would finally today say, Lord, ask, and they would ask you in their own prayer, that they would ask you to fill them with your spirit so that they can be a part of this collective movement of restoration and renewal. And that the fruit of the spirit would start to become evident in their life. Lord, we're not asking for wind. We're not asking for fire. We're not asking for speaking in tongues. We're not asking for any of that. We're asking, Lord, to be a part of the collective, and we're asking that the fruit of your Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all that your fruit of the Holy Spirit would be evident in 
all of their lives, both individually and collectively. And Father, as your spirit flows into your people and flows out into this lost and broken world, we know that it's going to bring renewal because that's what it does. Your Holy Spirit is constantly producing fruit all over the world. And so, Father, we're asking that you allow us to be a part of that. We don't want to be a local church that's just isolated off and by itself doing its own thing. But we want to be part of the collective community here in Yukaipa, part of the global church of the Nazarene, and part of the global church universal. We want to link arms with our Roman Catholic friends and our Orthodox friends because there's really only one church, the church of Jesus Christ. That's it. So, Father, today, as your people receive communion and they reflect upon the cross, may they understand that that, too, was a major historical event that changed the trajectory of human history. And we're being invited to be a part of that. Father, as we receive communion today, I pray. I pray that you would fill each person with your spirit and you would fill our church family with your spirit and that you would send us from this place to go and bear fruit. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive communion this morning and reflect upon the cross of Christ. Amen.